0: I'm Chad. And I'm Cheese. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Our podcast covers news, startups, AI, automation, programmatic, and all the things the kids are excited about. (laughs) And then we drown it with a healthy dose of snark, attitude, and four-letter words. Subscribe to the Chad and Cheese Podcast today, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Which came first, the chicken or the egg? Okay, yeah, I know. I started with that old chestnut. Uh, And I bring it up because it's interesting. Because did you know there's actually an answer to that question? Did you know there's a legitimate biological answer to the question of which came first, the chicken or the egg? And this isn't just Trivia Night 101 here at my house. This is meaningful because I think there's a lot of parallels between what happens with a chicken and egg and the age-old question of the chicken and the egg and really the age-old question of employer brand, which is where does it live? Does it live in recruiting? Does it live in marketing? Does it live in comms? Does it live someplace else? Where does EB live? And that's what we're going to talk about today when we get back. Welcome to the Talent Cast, the world's most caffeinated employer brand podcast. I'm your host, James Ellison. And I've been doing employer brand for years now, and I absolutely love the industry. I love how it's growing. I love how it's changing. And I've tried to do my part to elevate the concept, to get everybody to understand the power employer brand can have in hiring, attracting, and retaining talent. So, we try to really focus on driving home the idea that this is a calling and a craft. It's a lot of getting your hands dirty, but it's also a lot of big strategic thinking. And that's where we kind of live, that kind of uh, Venn diagram, the intersection between those, the big ideas, and the getting the details right. So, we talk a lot about employer brand and how to do it right and how to think about it and how to look at your problems in a whole new way. Ready to rock? One, two, three, let's go. Hey, how you doing, James Ellis? Recording live from Chicago. The housekeeping notes are as follows. First, yes, Talent Chooses You is a book. Yes, people seem to like it. If you've read it, I would love it, love it, love it if you left a review on Amazon. That's really where the reviews seem to count the most these days. Would really appreciate that. I'm not saying it's the Bible of the industry. Somebody else did. So there's that. I mean, I don't know. That's kind of amazing. So <laughs> hopefully, if you liked it, review it. If you are interested in it, please buy it as soon as you can. It's available on paperback and on Kindle. Uh, second important housekeeping note. So, as you know, if you're a listener of the program, program, look at this. Um, when did I start calling it a program? Uh, I'm a big fan of DNI. I'm a big fan of talking about DNI and thinking about DNI. I think there's a lot of Stuff in the DNI space which has been uh, has not yet been uncovered, and I don't profess to have all the answers by any stretch of the imagination. I do think we should be asking better questions. How about that? So I am putting together a webinar from the day job. Hey, Universum, how you doing? Uh, where we take data and we talk about how to use data to actually change your DNI situation. And I said, Well, gosh, this should not be a James show. There should be more people involved, people with better perspectives on some of these situations. So I'm bringing in Gabriel Hitt, who you may not know. He is uh, a bit of a quiet rock star in Universum, so if you're one of his clients, you know him and you know how great he is. But I'm also bringing in Torin Ellis, which is a name you may be familiar with, not just because we share last names. And by the way, we're not related, and that is a much funnier joke when you've seen us in person. Um, but he is an amazing d thinker, strategist, speaker. So he and the three of us are going to get together in about two weeks to do a webinar on how to use data to make changes in d Not to, to do more than just counting headcount and, and, and tracking where you are, but really to say how do you make changes? How do you make positive change in your d thinking using data? So I'll put a link in the show notes. It's a little webinar. If you can't make it, I totally get it, but register and we'll send you the video and you can here are amazing words recorded for all time, right? We're just, I'm not saying we're sending it to the moon or anything, but you know, hey, it's digital, so it lives forever, right? Uh, otherwise, um, yeah, subscribe to the newsletter, all that stuff. So let's just skip past all that. We're good to go. Let's talk about the chicken and the egg. Yes, yeah, so the let's just start with the answer to the chicken and the egg. And the, the answer is, of course, you know, to, to pay, take the riddle apart a bit more, it can't be the egg because where is the chicken that laid it it can't be the chicken because where's the egg that it came from and so you go back and forth and it's a bit of a paradox and wah 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 you know and it's almost a zen-like cone uh, riddle of the ages right but the truth is and there is a biological solution to this there is a thing called evolution, and th- what happens is mutations occur over and over and over again, perpetually ongoing all the time. And at some point, a what's referred to as a proto-chicken and a proto-rooster got together and played a little Barry White, or whatever the chicken version of Barry White is. Right? You know, for those of you who are too young to get it, I guess it's uh, I don't know. I do not know what the uh, millennial Gen Z equivalent of Barry White is, and frankly. I'm okay with that. Um, so you play a little berry White. The chickens get together. The chicken and the rooster gets together. They love each other very much, right? <laughs> and suddenly it's an episode of Where Did I Come From? And mutations happen as they lay and then fertilize the egg. And what happens is, is what laid the egg is not a chicken but what comes out of the egg is a chicken and in fact it is a form of evolutionary design well though design may not be the right word because that opens up all sorts of different kind of pandora's boxes and turn you know what the word but simply put chickens and animals evolved and over time they evolved to it till it became what you and I see as a chicken right and you've seen I don't know if you've seen the memes where they look at birds and they take apart not take apart that's weird but where they show you birds and they show you the diagrams of how birds work and you know once you take away a lot of the feathers you can see that they're clearly dinosaurs and dinosaurs are reptiles so you can see in a very 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 long chain of events reptiles laid an egg and at some point it evolved into and hatched out a chicken why do i bring any of this weird biological conversation up at all great question thanks for asking Yes, it's me in my dining room all alone. I have to make my fun where I can. And pretending you're asking me questions is just one of the ways I like to have fun. And now you know more about me. So I bring it up because someone asked me a really good question online. And of course, I forgot to look it up before I came here to make sure I got the name right because it's not someone I'm, you know, besties with, but someone, you know, You know, I'm LinkedIn. I'm, I chit chat with everybody on LinkedIn. Um, hold on. I'm going to pull it up, make sure I got it. Uh, Yes, it's Gary Neville. There it is. I knew I knew it. Uh, Gary Neville asked the question about where does employer brand live? And I won't read the whole question because it's semi-long convoluted, but the gist of it is where does it live and how does it live there? And the truth is, it is the age-old question of employer brand. Where does it live? As if somehow, once we nail that down, all the other pieces of our processes and tools and, and structure fit into place. And I'm Having seen a lot of employer brand teams, meaning a lot of employer brand professionals, the answer is it depends, right? The answer to where should your employer brand team live depends, and you say, okay, so what does it depend on? Well, that's a great question. What I think it depends on mostly is, where is the immediate need for employer brand thinking? So, in some companies, or the most classic case is, recruiters are having a hard time attracting talent. They read the articles about how this powerful thing called employer brand can help from a systemic marketing kind of structure, that it can drive more interest. It can increase the conversion rate of outreach messages and offer acceptance rates. It can be the salt that you put in your recruiting process to make everything just more delicious, as it were. And that's a metaphor. Um, It's 4th of July. I haven't eaten anything today. I'm going to eat some s'mores and probably some pizza at the end of the day. So I'm clearly very hungry. So I'm thinking with food. So between chicken and salt, there you are. Uh, Roast that chicken, friends. Put the garlic under the skin. Anyway, Uh, The employer brand was the thing that would make everything better. It would help all the existing processes. It didn't have to be a brand new silo glommed onto an existing system, but someone, and sometimes that someone was in fact a recruiter, Someone could step into a role and say, okay, I'm going to apply a different, broader marketing, 300, 3,000 foot view perspective. I'm sorry, it's 30,000 foot view perspective into recruiting. That recruiting isn't a bunch of cowboys and cowgirls out trying to grab applicants and convincing them one by one to do stuff, but to present messaging and validating information so that when the recruiter says it's a great place to work and that candidate goes type, 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 Google, type, 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 LinkedIn, type, 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 Glassdoor, they see messages that say, "Oh yeah, that means the recruiter might actually not be lying to me." And for, if you're a recruiter, you gotta work under the assumption that everybody thinks you're lying to you twenty-four. Everybody thinks you're lying twenty-four-seven, not because you are, but because it's a safer way to work. You know, if someone's selling me something, I assume they're lying to me twenty-four-seven. That's just their job. They're incentivized to tell me what I want to hear so I can buy the thing. Nothing personal. And I'm gonna guess 99.999% of the time, you are not lying, but it would might behoove you to work under the assumption that everyone thinks you are. Anyway, sidebar coming back, tangent over. Um, You know, the employer brand is about bigger processes in the same way that marketing is about creating um, interest and creating demand so that when the salesperson calls and says, Do you want to buy a fuller brush? Do you want to buy a vacuum cleaner? Do you want to buy some shares in Mary Kay or whatever it is? um, You don't go, You're who now with the what now and the why? And the salesperson has to start from square one, explain what the company is, what the product is, and why you should do it, and why you should. And that takes a long, long time. But if the person that you know, the salesperson is talking to has been inundated with messages on radio, and I don't know why this turned into a nineteen twenties kind of Fuller Brush routine, I mean, I mean, I'm old, but I'm not that old. Um, I'm also thinking of an Abbott and Costello routine about vacuum cleaners that no one in who's listening to this will get. Um, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm going to come bring it right back, but. If marketing shows up and marketing puts radio ads and TV ads and ad, ads on your Spotify and ads on your banners and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram and all that stuff saying, hey, there's this product and you really, really might like it, you're suddenly going to, when someone walks up and says, hey, would you like to buy this thing, the ground has been laid, right? You don't have to start with a clean sheet of paper or a blank piece of paper to say, this is what this product's all about. Suddenly, you have that. That target, that prospect, that person you're talking to, has some information. is already predisposed to listen or not, right? They immediately go, "Nope, I already know what this is. I'm not interested at all," and that saves the salesperson time to go to the next target. Recruiting's the same way, right? You're going from target to target. You're going from prospect to prospect. You're sourcing. You're banging the bushes. You're doing whatever you're doing. You're hoping that someone pays attention to you. If messages are already out there, if they are, the candidate has already heard that you are a positive force in whatever field you're in, that your company's doing amazing things that they might care about when you show up. If they think that, this is a much better sale process. This is a much better recruiting process than if you have to start clean. Every recruiter knows that. I'm not reinventing the wheel here. So if you're problem is we have a recruiting problem and we need to solve it. And we, and mo- unfortunately in, in America and in the States anyway, uh, the North in the Americas, most of the solution for a long time was very much about let's buy more ads. And the media in, you know, industrial media complex has done a great job saying, Hey, you're a great company. You just have to tell everybody about it. Well, yeah, but buying more ads to saying the same ad and the same job openings and the same job postings is not getting the message out. It's simply spending more money to be louder about the stuff that isn't quite working. It's not the same as branding. It's simply, it's an advertising game. Now, not to say that advertising is bad. There's a place for it. There's a value for it, but it's not the same as Branding. In, uh, in Europe, in UK, branding made more sense at the time rather than spending money on advertising. And I think it's interesting over time. Historically, we've kind of started to go in the, each other's direction. We're crossing the paths where the states here were thinking more about employer brand and driving a lot of great employer brand work. And over in Europe, they're thinking more about technology and ad spends far more than they ever were before. And I think a lot in a lot of cases, a lot of the smart thinking is happening over there when it comes to recruitment marketing. Another digression. On this podcast, I know I'm shocked too. So that was the thing. You made employer brand live in recruiting because it was that was the the client that was serving. That was the value. But that's not, you know, necessarily how God intended it. No, Moses did not come down from the mountain with three temple, three tablets, and one of them says, "Oh, and by the way, uh, commandment number eleven is thou shalt stick your employer brand team in your recruiter marketing, in your, your recruitment team." That's not how it works. There are plenty of places where. They think about employer branding not as a means to attract more talent, but to engage the talent internally, that it's an advocacy model, one that says, if everybody in this company is already thinking about the same things and talking about the similar kind of ideas, that they're not, if you have a, and I'm making up numbers here, if you have a company of 100 people, they're not giving 100 different reasons as to why they like working in this company. Not to say they all need to be parrots and they all need to, 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 to spit out the exact same lines over and over again. But there needs to be some sort of congruence, some sort of alignment around some core ideas. If your company's known for being stable and secure, you want 100 different people to say what secure and stable means to them. So you get 100 different messages, but it's really a 100 different tellings of the same message. And it's all about an advocacy, right? How do we feed our, our, our internal staff the ideas and messages? And that's an internal comms thing. And you support it with internal comms tools. It's all on internal email, a lot, maybe a, a referral program. Maybe, uh, you know, there's all sorts of ways you can say, look, employer brand starts with internal engagement, leading to advocacy, leading to knock-on effects of supporting recruiting probably down the road, right? But that's not the only place. Another most common way of getting it, and I would say this is probably the second most common, internal comms being third, but two and three are not quite neck and neck, but they're a lot closer. Number one is absolutely recruiting and talent acquisition. They are the number one driver, and that's where this stuff happens. But the third area that employer brand manifests itself in is marketing, right? If you've got a product that it's very much about people. And I'm thinking, for example, companies where you are service providers. You know, let's think you're a big for accounting uh, consulting services. Let's say, um, you, honestly, you could be plumbers. You could just be a company of plumbers and you go around and you plumb, that's a joke, uh, that you're you're fixing things, but you're really, it's not about the the, the products you're selling, what you're selling is the people, and so what you say is, look, each individual who's out there talking about the product, they, you know, the the company they work for, they are both marketing the company as a great place to buy from, i.e., very consumer marketing driven, and also, here's the people working there, and aren't these great people? It's also an employer brand messaging framework. Now, it's not exclusive to service driven organizations or consulting organizations not by a long shot but if the marketing team has the mindset that it's about word of mouth that it's not about let's throw ads on let's not it's not about let's you know make a cool sexy instagram channel it's about hey the people who are out and about carry just as much weight by being themselves as the product they sell or the service they offer, that is a very different kind of marketing thinking. It's semi-unusual in that it's not the norm, but it's pretty. It's common enough, right? It happens in a lot of different companies. It's the rare company who doesn't understand that the person who works there has no marketing ability or it has no branding value. That doesn't happen very often, and frankly, it's a bad idea, right? Every single company, the people who work there have a lot to say about the product, right? If you and every salesperson in the world says, if you know,'ll tell you, every book about sales will say, if someone likes you as a person, they're more inclined to buy from you. but it doesn't take much of a leap to say if they're also inclined to buy from you, they're also inclined to tell you, buy by the way, I have a friend who would be great working there. Can I give you a referral? right? If you have a vendor you work with closely because they're very friendly and they're very good at supporting you and you treat them in a very friendly, partnering manner because they do great work for whatever vendor need you need, aren't you more inclined to say, hey, you seem like you work for a great company because my um, interaction has been with you and I really, really like you, therefore maybe... Can I give you a referral? Can I suggest? Can I work there? I mean, let's be fair. Most agency moves are going to clients because they've engaged with them, right? (laughs) Right. The 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 consultant, the account director, what have you, gets really tight with the company, and the company goes, "Wow, this person's really good and smart, and we like them, and let's just hire them." So that the marketing message is the same as an employer brand message. So. Which comes first, chicken or the egg? Now, I'm, I'm going to leave out that there are probably a handful of alternate, non-comms recruit, uh, recruiting and, and marketing uh, umbrellas in which employer brand lives. There are interesting ideas outside of that, but the truth is, they start in one of those three. Now, let's go back to the chicken and the egg. Remember, the chicken in the egg, the chicken happens because the egg evolves. You get the chicken because the eggs evolved over a very, 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 very very, long time from reptiles on some level. Your employer brand team evolves as well. Your employer brand function evolves over time. What happens in a lot of cases is that employer brand, let's call it proto-employer brand, just employer brand thinking or piloting or dipping your toe in the water, depending on who says, let's pilot a a project. That's usually where it starts to live. If if, if for whatever reason the company doesn't need the recruiting help quite so much as it needs marketing help, marketing puts out uh, an advocacy conversation. They put out a, hey, let's make our staff, um, not only are they driving a lot of our marketing sales, but let's connect the dots and say, look, let's help them make marketing sales, but in so doing, you're also applying a lot of employer brand thinking that says this is an advocacy kind of model, but because people like them for products, they might also like them as potential co-workers. And thus, employer brand starts to live in marketing. Is that the right answer? I don't care. I don't know. But you got to start somewhere. In the same way that the chicken wouldn't have existed until two, the proto-chicken and the proto-rooster got together and Barry whited it up all over the place— you couldn't have the employer brand function. So wherever it starts is, where, is pretty much where you're planting that seed, not to extend that chicken metaphor any longer than it needs to be, um, but that's where it takes root and that's where it learns to be what it is and that's how it evolves if it's comms who needs to drive some advocacy and employee engagement and they say okay we need to get our employees more engaged in the work and they start to apply some employer brand thinking such that they start to be they're starting to do employer branding without realizing it or frankly even labeling it that i've had conversations where people companies are looking for employer branders and they're going to stick them in the internal comms team because They know they need it and they've been kind of playing footsie with it for a while. The internal comms people have been working and thinking and talking about that space for a while, but without any real deep knowledge in the space. Therefore, that's where employer brand lives, in internal comms. Or if in like 60, 70% of the companies, it's about how do you solve our recruiting challenges, then that's where it lives. Now, what happens is, Unlike the chicken, though frankly, truly, the chicken has evolved, uh, we've, we've we've forced it to evolve to the point where its breasts are so big and juicy and delicious, uh, because that's what we eat that they almost, they can't fly, and they can almost barely support their own weight. But that's all, you know, industrial farming conversation I do not want to get into. Not that I'm a vegan or anything, but you know what, that's, that's a tangent too far for me at the moment. Employer brand functions evolve as well, and frankly... Wherever you start is fine. So I think the first kind of check the box, make your note is that there is no right answers to where your employer brand should live. Let's get rid of the word should. If it lives in marketing, it's going to have access to a whole different set of tools and opportunities than it would if it lived in talent acquisition, if it would, if it lived in internal comps not neither is good neither is bad they all have pros and cons living in talent acquisition is great except for the fact that there's probably no budget and the tool sets are limited working as marketing is great because ex- the tool sets are great and they probably have access to more budget but the impact they make on recruiting may not be clear and they might not be bet- well integrated with it working in internal comms is great because you have access to leadership probably a bit more than you would on talent acquisition or marketing side but you probably don't have the budget that you would in marketing. It's all pros and cons. Again, no right answer. So let's get rid of the word should. Where should it live? Throw it away. Wherever it lives is the right answer. But that's not the only question. The question I have is how does it move forward? I'm really of the belief that the platonic ideal of employer brand is to literally disappear, is to literally dissolve itself, which is interesting because employer brand is functionally injecting a new kind of thinking into an organization and then hoping that that thinking integrates itself with all the other levels of the company to the point where there doesn't need to be a point person or a function or a team that just does that I'm you know thinking about companies where it's so well integrated that you can't really tell where employer brand ends and consumer marketing begins or where employer brand ends and internal comms begins or where best case scenario employer brands ends and business leadership begins that there's no real line there's no line of separation there's no wall there's no silo there that it's simply an idea that lots of different people help kind of manifest and execute. Now, maybe in that case, you still need, you know, the the point person to keep saying, look, employer branding is different, right? It is different than every other kind of branding because it is about quality, not quantity. It does use a different set of tools. It does have a different set of expectations and output. So maybe it doesn't completely dissolve away, but maybe the function does. Maybe there's a point person who says, okay, my job is to work on the brand, but from a focus of how does this affect how you know employee engagement and uh, candidate application rates and offer acceptance rates because i think that is the platonic ideal that there is no such thing as an employer brand team but there is such a thing as a brand team and that means investor relations that means consumer marketing that means internal relations or internal comms to some extent it means depending on your company, maybe marketplace relations. I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, places that you do branding and you need to develop markets and your ap- applicants and your employees are just one audience, right? We've talked about this before. There is an idea of what the brand is. And I, I, I've talked to people and it's still funny. <laughs> no, literally, I mean, literally the other day, someone says there's no need for employer brand because we just apply the consumer brand internally. And I was, you know, yes, that's exactly what you want to do, but let's not, which is funny because he was in fact an employer brand professional at that company. It's a completely valid approach to say, look, we don't need our own EVP. We don't need our own pillars. If you can look at a well-structured corporate brand and say, I understand how to connect the dots and communicate this idea, this concept to applicants, candidates, and employees. In that case, I mean, you know, in that case, there is no... There is an employer brand team, but there's not really an employer brand function. Their job is to look at the same brand that consumer is and and corporate is and, and investor relations is and say, okay, how do we take this core idea and connect it out to our audience? That is, in a lot of ways, the platonic ideal of where your employer brand is. Thus, your employer brand team is not any longer beholden to talent acquisition limitations, talent acquisition expectations, marketing limitations, marketing expectations, et cetera, et cetera, that it can start to figure out how do I play the most important part, how I play the best, most impactful role in this company. And I am want to tie this up in, a, in an interesting way because the conversation I'm seeing in articles and, and Harvard Business Review and the, the industry press is this idea that, and frankly, Universum has its own data. I'll put a link in the, in, in the, the email about what's called EB Now. It's this big survey about what companies around the world are doing and how they see employer brand and how they're investing and in what they're doing in their processes and pro- projects and et cetera, et cetera. It's a pretty nice high level uh, picture of what the industry is doing. And it's fascinating because on a lot of levels, the bigger trend, the macro trends, and it's been highlighted and reinforced by COVID on a lot of levels, is that Three, four years ago, the number one thing that drove a candidate to to be accepted, number, number one thing that a company looked for in a candidate was a skill, a technical skill. Could they do a thing? Could they tell us about blockchain when we needed blockchain help, but no one internally knew anything about blockchain? Could they do some machine learning about whatever the heck it was and we had no one internally to do machine learning about? And frankly, I thought it was fascinating because in a lot of cases, recruiters and even the hiring managers were attempting to hire people who knew more about the job than they did, right? And that happened to me once. I was hired as you know to do employer branding by people who knew less about employer branding than I did. And that actually, I think, is be- had become started to become more commonplace. It's not wrong. It's not bad. In fact, I think if you are hiring only people you already know how to use and already know what they should do, you're hiring the wrong people. You're not pushing yourself. Your company's not pushing itself forward fast enough. But this goes into this header of agile leadership, agile companies, agile structures, agile businesses. And certainly agile is one of those buzzwords like strategy and and proactive and all these other words that mean nothing most of the time uh, because they're so poorly applied and poorly understood and, and, and painted on with the biggest possible brush to ever make everybody look cool yeah, what are you going to do? But but the case is I think companies are actively trying to be more agile. That is what CEOs are looking for. That's what CHROs are looking for. And that means on a recruiting level, you're hiring not so much for a skill set, some sort of silver bullet skill set, purple squirrel. But what you're looking for is someone who brings a lot of different experiences, a lot of different skill sets and says, I don't know how to solve the problem because I haven't seen the problem in depth yet that you are having because I'm on the outside and you're on the inside. And of course, you're not going to tell me your problems to some stranger. But once I get in there and see your problem, I can come up with some interesting solutions that leverage your resources, that leverage my skills, that leverage whatever I have floating around. And it may be a solution that you came up with and then I help execute, or it may be a solution that you've never considered that I help bring to the table. That's what agility from a talent standpoint looks like. Thinking about your brand as a holistic idea that you say, how do I point this brand at a given problem to say, how do I solve it for this audience where I've never had to solve that audience before? That is going to be a far more common occurrence. That you're going to stop thinking about employer brand as as, as the band-aid over application rates and the band-aid over glass door scores and the band-aid over engagement rates, but more as a, a deeper tool and sets of skills that do not commonly exist in most companies, and I think that's still true, but can help every part of the company. And I don't want to go spend this time going into the fact that employer brand does impact every single freaking part of the company because it does. It absolutely does. It's not even a question. Go ahead and fight me on that. But we don't think about it that way. We don't treat it that way. It's still remember it's, it's the egg and we're, we're hiring for the egg but we're not hiring for the chicken we're hiring for the solution we need we're hiring for the how do we increase our engagement rates how do we uh, talk you know uh, use our employees to become marketers how do we get more people to apply you're solving a very very specific problem and that's the egg and it v- grows and it cracks out of its shell and it becomes this chicken and honestly if you didn't know if there was never a chicken before and the proto chicken the proto rooster laid the egg and fertilized the egg and they did the berry white dance and the egg cracked open there's a chicken you've never seen a chicken before it is very hard to say oh thank goodness a chicken finally because you've never seen one before most companies simply look at employer brand like okay we asked you to fill the talent funnel you filled the talent funnel good for you and that's the end of the conversation and i know a lot of employer brand or branding people and i know we have conversations internally a lot of times that it's like, this, this, this is the tip of the iceberg. I could be doing so much more. I could be making so much more impact but the company simply goes, yeah, you're a chicken. You're designed to fill the top of the funnel. So keep doing that. Yay. And that's the end of the conversation. And that's unfortunate. So we, I want to recommend that we get away from the conversation of where should it live. There is no right answer. Wherever it lives is where it's supposed to live, right? Let's take a, a live and let live kind of approach to that, that it just, it's just meant to be in one way. And I'm not a big meant to be guy, but you know what? If that's where it started, that's where it started. There is no best answer. Wherever it starts, wherever the need was, wherever it could solve a problem is the right answer. After that though, is where the real work happens. How do you take an employer brand function that lives in marketing and make it bigger than marketing? And yeah, I just said bigger than marketing if you can believe that. How do you take an employer brand function that lives in, in internal comms and make it more impactful than just memos internally? How do you take an employer brand function inside of talent acquisition and get hiring managers and business leaders to go, "Oh, I get how we play a role in not just the brand, but the business of hiring which is in fact the business business of business. How do we do that? And that comes from stop having the conversation where it should live and focus on more where it should go. Yes, it's an egg. Yes, it exists. It's about to crack into a chicken. The question is, what are you going to do with that chicken? Thanks so much for listening. I hope this was useful. As I said, if you like the book, go ahead and review it on Amazon. If you haven't read it, you should. I think it's there's a lot of information, a lot of good, useful, valuable, not just big conceptual, strategic stuff, but a lot of tactical stuff too. I hope it's super useful. I, that's really what I designed it to do. Uh, otherwise, I will see you next week. Um, and oh, one last note, it, two last small notes. If you have an idea of something you'd like me to talk about, go to thetalentcast.com, click the big orange button, leave me a voicemail, it's 90 seconds, leave me your problem, and maybe I'll answer it on the, on the podcast. Otherwise, I have one, potentially two guests coming in the very near future. Guests is the wrong word. They're friends of mine or people I adore or people I lust after professionally. Uh, they're wonderful people and I can't wait to have them on the show to have them talk about stuff. So keep an eye out for that. Otherwise, I will see you next week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye. This has been an episode of the Talent Cast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. If you'd like to get in touch with me, a couple of ways to do that. Obviously, there's Twitter, at TheWarForTalent. You can go to the podcast website at TheTalentCast.com. If you'd like to stay up to date on the news of this industry and what's going on, just go to EmployerBrand.News and sign up for the email newsletter with lots of news and links to other places. If you just want to connect with me on LinkedIn, just say hello or let's just talk. That's LinkedIn.com slash in slash TheWarForTalent. Or I bet if you just search for James Ellis, i pop up pretty quick. Otherwise, if you have any questions, concerns, considerations, ideas for podcasts, holler at me. Let me know what's going on. Thank you if you've shared it. Please share if you haven't. Rate us, review us. I love all that stuff. It really does help kind of keep the message going and get the message out there. Thanks again, and uh, we'll see you next week. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert, Warren Buffett, once said,